sing this with me. Just one word. Just one word. You calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word. The darkness has to retreat. Just one touch. I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can't help but believe, there's nothing that our God can't do, there's not a mountain that He can't move, oh praise the name that makes a way, there's nothing that our God can't do, no, just one broken inside me just one word and you revive every dream just one touch I feel the power of heaven just one touch my eyes were open to see my heart can't help but believe There's nothing that our God can't do There's not a mountain that He can't move Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can't do No, there's nothing that our God can't do There's not a prison wall He can't break through Oh, praise the There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe in greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like
Let's just lift him up this morning.
is crowned in glory now the savior knelt to wash our feet now at his feet
soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days his body there would not remain our God has robbed the grave our God has tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free 
Mason, can I get you to come on up? We're going to do a baptism this morning, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this, have been. Uh, sweet family, love Tim and Whitney Porter, and this will wrap up of the last of the kiddos to get baptized. We were able to baptize McKenna and then Cambry, and then a couple weeks ago, we baptized Mason's twin, Case. And all these kids are just precious, <clears throat> got the great personality, and been looking forward to this for a long time, haven't you? So before COVID, uh, they had uh, planned on being baptized and all that hit, and it kind of threw things out of whack. And so um, they had met with Justin before he moved on. And uh, so they know what baptism is. They understand it, and they're, they're taking this step today. And so like Justin told you, and I remind you that uh, when we get into the water, uh, what we're doing is it's a public profession of our faith in front of our, our friends and our family. And we're all excited for you today. This is an exciting time, isn't it, church? All right. So um, I'll ask you two questions. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? And do you want to follow him as a disciple? Okay. Because of your public profession of faith in him, in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death. Raised to walk with him in a new life. Amen. <laughs> hey. The shoes. <clears throat> That's good stuff right there. We plan on doing another one next week, so if you've not been baptized, you want to be baptized, I want to encourage you to take the plunge. Uh, we're looking forward to that. I said uh, last service, I was talking to a gentleman, I said I'd put that thing out every week if I knew uh, someone wanted to be baptized. So, uh, you know, the Bible says it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to his name. So would you agree that we serve an awesome God? I was walking out this morning in my office. I, I get up way early, but I was coming back to my house to get ready, and, and I, I walk out, and it's just pitch black outside, and look up at the clouds, or not the clouds, but the clear sky, and see all these stars in the sky, and I just stop for a moment, and I'm usually I'm in, a, in, I'm in the mode, you know, I'm getting ready, and I got to go get, get ready, but I stopped for a few moments and just stared up at the sky and just started talking to God. Well, this freaked the birds out that were in the trees above me, and they all flew off, but that's the side point. But I just remember looking up at the stars and just admiring him for his creation. The Bible says that he spoke it all into existence. And I'm looking up at the stars, and I see the Big Dipper, and I'm like, God, what were you thinking? when Christ, you know, we know in Colossians, says he's the one that spoke it into existence. And so what were you thinking when you put the Big Dipper up there? Was that just for us? Like, let's put something cool in the sky that they can admire. And let's put a little dipper over here for the kids. You know what I'm saying? I just look up and I think, God is so amazing. And he's so worthy of our, our worship. Amen? you got to do better than that. Amen. He's a good God and he's worthy of our praise. Amen? Well, as David said, Revelation chapter 19, for those of you joining us for the first week, uh, welcome back college students. It's always awesome to see that section over there filled up with college students. You don't have to sit just over there, by the way. But that's where I usually look for them at. And uh, your presence is missed when you're gone. Uh, but we've been in a series called The End, and we're looking at just some of the things that we know are going to take place in the future. Um, I, I just say this, what I'm talking about today is what is the second coming. And you know, there's, uh, when, you, when you look across the whole spectrum of Christianity, there's one thing that everyone agrees on, Jesus is going to come back. 
Jesus is going to return, and this is that passage of Scripture, so we say with confidence that we, we know Jesus will return. Now, there's some debate on when and whether there's a pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no tribulation, or we, don't, we have to go through it. Um, there's debate on all those things, but the one thing that we all agree on is Christ Jesus will return again. And so Revelation chapter 19, we, we see a picture of that. And so just to kind of bring you up to speed for those that may not have been here all along, we're, we're asking the question, is this, is this the end? Uh, a lot of people are wondering, as you look in the news, you're seeing all the stuff that's going on, you're just tempted to say, are we close to the end? Are these the end days? Are they the last days? And, and the short answer to that is, yeah, we're, we're getting closer than ever before. In fact, this generation is the closest, uh, there's never been a generation any closer to the return of Christ than the generation sitting in these seats right now. That's pretty cool. Uh, and so you ask the question, are we there yet? And we looked at that last week or a few weeks ago when we started this thing off and we talked about what Jesus said. And, and he said there are going to be signs that point us to the end, that, that tell us that we're close to the end, much like a woman who is pregnant, and as she gets closer and closer to that day of delivery, um, that we'll see these signs, they'll increase, increase. Like the labor pains, they'll, they'll be uh, smaller, and then they'll intensify and get closer together. But he says, this is not the end, it's just the beginning of birth pains. Um, and the big idea of that Sunday was just this, is rather than ask the question, are we there yet? The better question is, are we ready to be there? Are we prepared to, to be there when that time comes? And then we talked about the next week, what's next? Um, and now some people will approach Scripture, and they'll see it as symbolic or, you know, like it's just, just a symbolism, um, but it's not literal. Um, I believe it is literal, some of these things that are going to happen in the future, because God is, is a promise keeper, and he's made promises uh, that he will keep that are some of, the, some of these prophecies and promises have not yet been fulfilled. So I believe that God, um, we can take him at his word, and these things are coming in the future. And so we talked about the tribulation. A time of great trouble is it's worse than the world has ever seen before or ever will see uh, again. And, and so I gave my stance, and I know there are people that will debate this, but I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Why? Because he said he's not appointed us under wrath, but to receive salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord. We believe in Jesus. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And, and so we believe by faith. And so I'm obedient to the gospel by placing my faith in him. And, and he says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, so I believe that the church will be raptured out of here. And I'm thankful because as we looked at the, as we looked at the, um, the tribulation, I guess it would have been the third week, we talked about what that looks like. Um, just the first 21 or two months of the tribulation is going to be crazy. And so we've just been kind of walking through some of the big events um, in the uh, timeline, in a prophecy timeline. <clears throat> and so today I want to read a passage in chapter 19. We'll pick up at verse 11. I want to read a few verses here. I'm going to stop and pray if that's okay, and then we'll continue uh, to go forward. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's pray. 
Father, we humbly come before you today and just asking that you would open our eyes to your word. Father, I pray that you would reveal just how awesome your plan is to us, to encourage us, to embolden us in our faith. But for some, Lord, as a, as a warning, as a preparation to, uh, to be ready for that day, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I acknowledge that I can't do this without you. And so, Lord, would you please just help me uh, to communicate uh, today in a way that would encourage, inspire, and Lord, push us towards a life change. Um, Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So the second coming of Christ, the, the revelation of Christ, or if you will, the advent of Christ, um, where do you start? Well, let, let's start with, a, with this illustration. How many of you are fans of the movie series called The Avengers? Or, you know, that, that whole trilogy or whatever you want to call it, all those movies. I try to keep up, but the ADD kicks in, and I've not been able to watch them all in sequence and all that stuff. But I remember uh, one of them, and the, the scene gets, you know, towards the end of the movie. There's the climax, and it looks like they're helpless. It looks like they're in a rough spot, and all these Avengers, you know, like, are they going to be able to do it? And then, you know, like all great movies, uh, somehow they come from behind, and they pull off the win, and or the victory, and all that stuff. And I just, I like those, and, and those are cool to watch. But can I just tell you, church? that Hollywood can't even scratch the surface of how epic the return of Christ is going to be. Can't even scratch the surface of it. We're talking on off the scale of epicness. He's awesome. And the second coming of Christ uh, will be something I, I believe that most people, and, and it says all people expect it, uh, but it's called the glorious appearing of Christ, the powerful return of Christ. And so um, let's talk about that appearing first. Verse 11, it says, then I saw heaven opened. Let me stop right there. So in Revelation, there are two times that it says heaven was open. One of them is in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, and the other one is right here. And these are two very pivotal, or pivotal um, times in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> so chapter 4, verse 1, we know John said, and I heard a voice, and the door was open in heaven. They said, come up here, and I will show you what will take place later. So we believe that is the rapture of the church. Why do we believe that? It's because in the first three chapters, the word church is referenced probably about 20 to 22 times. And then from chapter 4, verse 1, all the way through the rest of the book of Revelation, the church is never mentioned again until the very, very uh, end. And so John saw a door open in heaven, and from that door, Christ uh, descends. He doesn't come to the ground, but he comes for his church. And I don't know about you, church, but I'm looking forward to that day. Especially as I consider all the crazy that's going on around us. I'm like, beam me up, Jesus. Any day now would be great with me. But Jesus will return. Uh, but this Revelation chapter 19 is the, the heavens are opened again. And this time Christ's, Christ returns. But he's not returning for the church. I believe he's returning with the church. And so there's a distinct difference between the two times um, heaven is open. And so let's look at this. Jesus came um, in a manger the suffering servant. You remember he said his name will be called Jesus for he will save his people from his sins. What did he do? He went to the cross. He died on the cross for the, the sins of the world. And so he came as the suffering servant. The next time he comes at this return of Christ, it'll be the conquering king of kings and the Lord of lords. The, the first time he came, he rode in on a donkey. You remember in Jerusalem, this humble donkey he rode in. The next time he re returns, he'll come on a white horse, which is, you know, kings rode white horses. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The first time he came, he came for the church. The second time, he'll come with the church. Uh, the first time was a, a secret catching away or gathering of the church uh, that not everybody sees. 
Uh, the second time he comes, it says the whole world will see it. All will see the return of Christ. Well, let's look at some of the descriptions of what it says about the one who returns. It says, I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Now, in chapter 6, uh, verse 1, there is another white horse, and this is the Antichrist. Um, and so this is not the Antichrist now. This is Messiah. It says, the white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. So how many of you know that God is faithful? So, so this is significant to me. The one riding the white horse is faithful and true. Why? Because he keeps his promises. There are prophecies about Christ that have been fulfilled. His virgin birth, he would be born in a, in a manger. All these things that prophesied who the Messiah was and how all of it would come to pass, there are still messianic prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled, and God is faithful and true, and he will do exactly what he promised to do. And we need to know that this morning, church, that he is faithful and true. So his rider is named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and he wages a righteous war. And so he's faithful and true. He is righteous, that is, he's morally right and he's justifiable. No one will be able to question whether his, his war that's waged is a righteous war. Now, we've been through a lot of wars in our country, and there's many of them we would question whether we should have or should not have gone to war. There won't, there won't be a question at this time because he wages war righteously. He's always right, always justifiable. It says he wages a righteous war. In verse 12 it says his eyes were like flames of fire. Why, does he, why is he righteous? Because he sees all things. And that should be a humbling thought to just consider Jesus as the one that sees beyond the surface. You know, we, we have the surface and we put all this stuff on to kind of hide who we really are, but Jesus sees inside. Um, and because he knows all things, he's omniscient, he declares a righteous war. How I many of you know he knows all things? All right, so um, his eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many, say many. <clears throat> Many crowns. Why? Because he's the conquering king of kings. All the kingdoms, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He has many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, signifying all the many battles uh, won. And, it, and his title was the word of God. Now, where have we heard that before? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word... All right, first service had a little bit better, so I mean, I'm just telling you. And the word was God. We know this is a title for Christ, amen? And so this one that comes on the, on the white horse in Revelation chapter 19 is none other than the Messiah, the eternal word of God. Pretty cool, right? So this is who he is, this is how it happens, and then um, as you look at verse 14, it talks about these armies of heaven. Verse 14, it says, the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. Now, I've looked at movies, and I've seen news clips and pictures, and um, I think it's safe to say that we have a pretty uh, amazing armed forces in the United States of America. We got some pretty cool toys, don't we? I mean, we got kids that are playing like Xbox and controlling drones and stuff. I mean, you don't even have to go on the, the battlefield anymore. It's pretty epic. And when I think of armies, I think intense like that. This is not uh, what is described in Revelation uh, 19, 14. It says, the armies of heaven, they're dressed in the finest of pure white linen. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, first off, their fatigues look a little different than what we're used to seeing. 
They're in pure white linen. Followed, they followed him on white horses. So like the one who comes to the white horse, they also will be on white horses. And so who are the armies? Who, who would the armies that follow Jesus at his return be? Well, I, I believe that um, angels are a part of that great army. 2 Thessalonians 1.7 says, And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted, and also for us when the Lord appears from heaven, he will come with his mighty, say mighty, his mighty angels. Now I get these images of, of angels sometime, and they're like playing the harp, eating angel food cake, chilling and all that stuff. But this is mighty angels. And just kind of give you a, a picture of how mighty they are. Second uh, Samuel, I believe it is, where he talks about um, Hezekiah. He was being surrounded by the Assyrians, and, and he knew that there was doom in their future. And so he went to the Lord. He tore his clothes. He's fasting, crying out to God for help. And it says, the angel of the Lord. That's one, right? The angel of the Lord destroyed 185,000 of the Syrian army. That's power, right? And so this is part of the armies of the Lord that will return with Christ when he returns. So the armies of heaven are um, angels. I also believe it is the, the saints, that is believers, you and I, if you're a believer in Christ, are a part of that army as well. Just get a picture of this for a second. Jesus is going to return. And our, our vantage point, our view will not be from the earth looking up and seeing Jesus come. What a, what a crazy picture that would be. But we will be with him. We'll be in the posse, so to speak. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had horses before, and I've got a love-hate relationship with them. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not very confident with them. Um, I want to be. I mean, I'm landing Canterbury up in Colorado. I want to go ride and help them, you know, ride across the mountains and take care of cattle. I thought that would always be cool, but I'm just kind of a little bit nervous about it. And I'm always amazed when I see people that just treat one of those 1,500-plus pound or whatever horses like a, a car. You know, my buddy Lindell roping on him, my, my new friend Wade, who's a, a, a bulldogger. And, you know, you got KJ standing on the saddle showing us how to floss on a horse. And I'm thinking, man, this is crazy. I'm just scared to get on it. it it's encouraging to me to see uh, and to know one day when we return with Christ, we'll be riding these white horses. And I think I'm going to ride it with confidence. I had one of my friends this morning says, I'm going to put Velcro on my pants so I won't slide off the saddle, you know, sideways. <clears throat> so 1 Thessalonians 3.13, Paul speaking, he said, May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Those who have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, they're a part of these armies of heaven. So Christ comes, heaven is opened. The armies of heaven come with him, riding these white horses. In verse 15, it says, From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written in or this title, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. What I want you to see there is his authority. So there's an appearance, and we have the armies that are coming with him, but there's this authority of this one riding on the white horse. Listen to it again. From his, his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. There's power in the words of Christ. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created. It says, and he said, said, let there be light. Let there be 
an ocean. Let there be the birds. Let there be a, a big dipper and a little dipper. I mean, all the constellations. And you know what? Let's just, while we're putting galaxies up there, let's just put a whole bunch. Let's blow everybody's minds with how amazing the universe is. He created it all with his mouth. That's authority. Amen? We learned in Colossians chapter 1 that it was Jesus. Through him, all things were created. So Jesus has the authority with the spoken word. And with that mouth, with the spoken word, it says that he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. That's authority. He will release the fierce wrath of God. That's authority. On his robe, his thighs written the, the title, King of all kings, Lord of all Lords, that's authority, isn't it? And this is, the, this is the one that we trust in for salvation. This is the one that we look to, the author and the finisher of our faith. This powerful, glorious um, appearing, as Titus 2.13 says, the glorious appearance of our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. He has all authority. So let's continue on. <clears throat> and as you consider... The ultimate avenger, um, you know, these avengers, you know, they go in and take vengeance on those who mistreated other people. And you think about how our country has been tossed back and forth for, you know, since the, the fall in the Garden of Eden. And Satan has had his reign and he's caused a lot of havoc. And I don't know about you, but when I read the next verses and consider, um, you know, I always say I read the back of the book and we win. Uh, this is where most of this comes from and into chapter 20. Uh, when Satan is finally locked up for a thousand years. Hallelujah for that day. Verse 17 says, When I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. About to be some bloodshed for you guys. This is gooey, gory. But it says, uh, Come, gather for the great banquet God um, has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, strong warriors, or horses and their riders, and all of humanity, both free and slaves, small and great. When I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight, why are they gathered to fight? We know at the end of the tribulation there's the, the battle of Armageddon. It's going to be this huge epic war. They're coming against Israel. Israel's going to feel like their backs are to the wall. They're overwhelmed. There's no hope. And just like a great Avenger movie, at the last second we see the heavens opened up, Right? And Jesus comes riding out to rescue Israel. He says, they will be gathered for battle to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. Can I just let you in on a little secret? <laughs> it's hopeless. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by a sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Ew. What a, what a vivid picture of the return of Christ. The glorious, the powerful, visible return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is faithful and true, who is righteous, who knows all things, and who is, in fact, the word, the eternal word uh, of God. His armies trailing behind him on their cool white horses. His authority that with his mouth strikes down all the nations, puts an end to the 
to the war uh, that'll be then, and to know that the one who deceived so many for centuries has finally got his day of reckoning when the King of kings and Lord of lords avenges all the people that were deceived. And it's an interesting note here, and, and I think it's, it's worthy of, of pointing out. It says, the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet. And it says, both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive. Say alive. So they're thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now those, those say, well, you know, you'll be annihilated, and it doesn't matter what happens after that because you're dead. It doesn't matter. No, he says he threw them alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now we know what comes next. Prophetically, is this thousand-year reign of Christ. One thousand years, Satan is locked up. It's in this context of the thousand years in verse 10 of chapter 20. Um, it says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That should get a, a hallelujah out of some people in the church today to know that one day the enemy of our souls is going to be locked up. And listen to this. Joining the beast and the false prophet that are still there. They're cast alive into the sea or the fiery lake of burning sulfur. It says he'll be joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Please understand this. There is life beyond death. There is more to you know, our existence than just living it up here and now. There is eternity afterwards. And for those that think, well, there's just annihilation, we're dead, and that's all there is to it, let this be a reminder and a warning to us that there is eternity after this existence here on the earth. And he says, they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, here's the big question for me. You see the one appearing and the descriptions of who he is, the armies that are coming with him, the saints, the angels, his ultimate authority, and that he comes to avenge. The question is, is whose team are you on? Whose team do you want to be on? I just tell you, all you got to do is read a little bit further. You're like, I, I think I want to be on his team. I want to be on the team that is the king of kings. And, you know, go king of kings, lord of lords. I mean, you consider as the armies that follow behind him, what will our role be? And we're going to have to fight? No, with the word of his mouth. We're there for moral support and just watch him do what he and only he can do. And I get great courage out of that when I consider um, that he loves us enough that he, he revealed these things to us in his word, that we don't have to be fearful, we don't have to worry about what's coming. We can look at this and say, okay, I know what's coming, therefore I need to prepare. And the way we prepare is to make sure that we are wearing those white linen, pure white linen clothing. How do we get that pure white linen cloths or clothing? Let, let me read to you an old favorite standard hymn. <clears throat> Maybe you'll recognize it. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, Will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bride? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Last verse, lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's an invitation. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. How many of you know this song? Are you washed 
in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? You need to know the way to be made right with God, the way to know you have those white garments that you will accompany him at his return is to have faith in him. Faith is not just, just believing as in like I understand it with this head knowledge, but it's the Greek word pistis, and it means to rely on, to trust in, to put your hope and your faith in. Jesus plus nothing. That's important. Not Jesus plus religion or Jesus plus good works. It's Jesus, the finished work of Christ on the cross. Amen? It's to say, Lord, I trust you with my salvation and you alone. I recognize that I'm a sinner, and I recognize that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? The most important decision that you and I can make is what we do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters. I mean, we have a lot of big decisions in life, but this is epic. This is, this is the one that determines where we spend eternity at and the most important decision that we can make is that we place our hope our faith our trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ now I want to assume that everyone in this room has done that but I bet I'd be wrong because the reality is there are a lot of people that know about Jesus but they've not taken that step you know it's a personal step it's a personal faith you know, like Mason getting baptized will go mom and dad can't guarantee her entrance into heaven just because uh, they're good people. I mean, she had to take that step herself. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and so you, you know, where you're at, you may have been raised in church, and, and, and no doubt there will be people that have been around church their whole life that will miss out on this glorious appearing, and they, they will go through a tribulation, or they'll spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell, and that's just unfathomable. I just can't imagine that being true of someone who heard the good news of Jesus Christ and didn't appropriate it by faith. So hear me when I say the most important thing we can do is to believe in the gospel, to believe in Jesus. So maybe you're here today and you've never taken that step. Can I just tell you, today's the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't think, well, the Bible says our life is a vapor. It's a puff of smoke. It's here one moment. It's gone the next. No one is guaranteed another breath. And so today is the day to deal with that. And here's the beautiful thing, the gospel, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that. There's another hymn that just came to my mind, whosoever meaneth me. I'm so glad that when he says whosoever, that includes you and me as well, that you have to respond to him in faith. Have you done that? I pray that you have, and if not, I want to encourage you to take that step of faith today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I I want to thank you for the hope that we have in your blessed return. I, I, I thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us in the dark. I thank you that you love us enough to give us a warning, to give us a heads up. I thank you for the encouragement in your word, Lord, that I can, I can know, as Paul said, I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded, I am convinced that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Lord, that we can have this hope in salvation because of what you did for us on the cross. I pray that today, Father, that everyone in this room has, has taken that step of, of faith and obeying the gospel. And Lord, if there be someone here that has not, I pray that today would be the day that whatever is keeping them back, whatever is holding them back, maybe they think they're not good enough. Lord, none of us are. None of us are worthy. 
But you said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so help them to get past that and, and move beyond and, and to trust you, Lord, in faith for the rest of their lives. And Lord, that we can have this confidence and this hope that one day, whether it's pre, mid, post, or all these other things that we debate, Lord, the one thing we absolutely know is certain, you will return. And when you return, Lord, you're no longer coming as a suffering servant, but you're coming as the conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. And I want to be on the right side of that. So that's my prayer for everyone in the room today. Lord, would you please just move in our hearts however you choose to do today. I humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.